It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. It is a Tuesday edition of Light the Tower. Still Lee Hogan because Jeff Howe is trying to fight through uh, Westlake traffic to get here. He'll be here in about five minutes. Cameron Parker is here as well. And, of course, Jeff will have all the latest news and info from Horns 24-7, the Longhorn Notebooks, and the rest of the great stuff each and every day. Uh, be here shortly, so we'll get you there. Cameron, how are you, Bob? I'm doing good, E. It's a bit of a charades this week with everyone out on vacation. You're filling in. I'm filling in. Uh, but it's all, all in good fun. Well, it happens, right? Every year we have got to get some downtime. So for someone like Craig Way, who goes year-round doing all the sports and all the travel, uh, you understand him getting getting a respite. Same with uh, our our man Buck in the morning. And uh, I believe Zay Collier's on his honeymoon finally. Getting time to get a honeymoon in there. Ooh, Cancun. I'm a big fan. If you go to Cancun, if you uh, get on the little ferry and go across to Isla Mujeres, Mm-hmm. That's, okay. that's where I like to go because it gets you out of the tour. I'm not big on the tourist stuff and all the resorts. And Isla is a cool little island and uh, drive golf carts all over it and cool little uh, hotels and great restaurants. That's kind of my spot. So, But uh, just off of Cancun, good spot. I'm sure Jose is having a great old time uh, down there as well. And Mike Harge on vacation as well. So, yes, we'll all be back together next week, of course, after the 4th of July. But they picked a good time. As I mentioned to you yesterday, I was on with you and Chad <laughs> with the, the days off because we're going to be off from our local shows on Monday and Tuesday mm-hmm. enjoying the 4th of July and Independence Day. So those guys are getting a good week. And then all the way into next week, Wednesday, which is smart, smart move. They got ahead of the calendar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sometimes you have to do that. Hey, more impressive to you, Cameron, that the LSU Tigers, you know, who started their season in Round Rock, Texas at that uh, Round Rock Classic that Mike Harge was, was – Part broadcasting for started their season there, and then uh, finished their season with a national championship. More impressive their performance when you playing eight games in ten days and uh, going six and two and winning the Natty for the seventh time in program history, or their fans consuming buying and consuming. I assume <laughs> over sixty four thousand Jello shots at Rocco's Bar and Grill across the street. Good lord, how many did you say? Sixty thousand. Sixty four thousand. <sighs> Yellow gold Jello shots. Roll tide, or not roll tide. Go Tigers. G E A U X. I I mean, the previous record holder was like eighteen thousand or something, right? That was last year's Ole Miss Rebels that did it. Sixty four thousand. I know that because there was the guy that's an LSU grad who who started raising canes. The restaurant. Mm -hmm. He was there, right? Because he bought a handful. He bought like uh, six thousand of them, (laughs) which was like thirty thousand dollars worth of Jello shots because each one was five dollars. Um. So that was impressed. But, you know, people talk that, about that rigged the system. Well, it's only 6,000 6, of 60,000. Exactly. I mean, by the way, the second place program in Omaha this year was the uh, TCU Horn Frogs, like 8,000. Wow. 8,000. What was Florida Landslide. doing? Landslide. Yeah. What was Florida doing? Well, from the video broadcast last night in ESPN, this entire all three games, it seemed like the crowd heavily. LSU. LSU. Did not see a lot of Gator fans. Saw a lot of Tiger fans, though. Well, that's something uh, J.J. Gotch was talking about because we, we told you J.J. grew up in Omaha. He's 51 years old. He's been to the College World Series 49 
times in his 51 years. His father had season tickets, and now his brothers and he have those seats. And uh, he'll tell you, uh, and he said it, man, if LSU is there, there are three huge programs that get to Omaha. Texas, when Texas gets there, it's great for the city of Omaha. It's great for the College World Series. LSU and uh, Mississippi State. So, and if they if two of them come, it's a great year. One of them comes, it's good. Two of them are great. If all three get there, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The 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 town and JJ from a, as an Omaha resident growing up would tell you that it's just a whole different feel because Texas travels like crazy. We see LSU. Gosh, there's times when LSU isn't even in the College World Series and their fans go. Yeah, <laughs> they just go up there to be a part of it because they love college baseball. Uh, and now they win the national championship. And what a performance by the. Uh, the young center fielder, Dylan Cruz, who we got to see here in Austin when he came through. Um, between he and Wyatt Langford, the center fielder for Florida, Cam, these two guys are going to go maybe two and three in the draft. Mm-hmm. With Paul Skeens probably one, right? Paul Skeens likely. If Pittsburgh Pirates are on the clock. They've got a decision to make. Some will say it's an easy one because you go with pitching over a position player every day. But, man, this guy, Dylan, can't, Dylan uh, Cruz, his head coach, Jay Johnson, said he's the best player in the history of college baseball last wow. night. Now, that's a little over the top, a little aggressive, as we said earlier. But uh, think about this. He's only the fourth college baseball player ever to win the Golden Spikes as the season's best player, so essentially the Heisman Trophy. That Ivan Melendez won that award one year ago and also had be on a team that wins the national championship in the same year. He's only the fourth player ever to do that. Last guy to do it was Tito Francona for Arizona way back in 1980, Cam. So this is rarefied air. Uh, he also finishes his career. He, he reached base in every game this season, all 71 that LSU played, Cam. All 71. So he ends his college career on a 75-game on-base streak. 75. Because <laughs> four games carried over from last year. Three times an All-American, twice the SEC Player of the Year, and hit 426 playing a sparkling brand of center field this year. So, yeah, argument there. You know, it's one of those things. Who's who's more accomplished? You know, uh, I believe Brooks Kieschnick for Texas won – uh, the Golden Spikes twice, if mm-hmm. memory serves. So that's he's up in that conversation as well. But, uh, you know, pretty cool. Pretty cool to see him. And then, you know, Wyatt Langford started and balled out in the game that they won 24-4. to He takes a backseat to nobody as far as a player in my mind. Uh, and then, yeah, Paul Skeens and, and Rhett Lauder, the pitcher for Wake Forest, are all going to go really, really high in the draft last week. And that was what made it such a great tournament. Uh, a lot of really good, talented players. The best teams in the country were there. And now it's the job of David Pierce and the Longhorns to get back there. Get back there next year and be a part of that whole celebration, and uh, I'll buy some Jello shots for five bucks. Ryan McGee for ESPN had a piece last night, Aaron, debating: Is this the most exciting, the best College World Series of all time? What What, what is your thoughts on that? Well, you know what, I'm going to see to JJ, who was just here. Uh, JJ has been again to 49 of 51. He's gone since he was born, and he says it's right up there. And, yeah. and he said, that unfortunately, this was one he didn't attend because his family went on a trip. Uh, and so they sold their tickets. And by the way, that's the other thing JJ said. I won't tell you, but uh, his brothers they have the season. They have the four tickets, so mm-hmm. they 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 go to the games they want to go to, and then they sell the ones they don't want. And because LSU was there and played all the way through the weekend, he said it was fairly profitable this yeah, time around I to sell those imagine. good seats to LSU fans. I don't know where LSU is getting all their money, man. I mean, they're they're pouring in there. But uh, you know, I'll see to others who you know Kyle Peterson and Chris Burke and the guys who have been around that that uh, tournament for so long. Who all are you know kind of in agreement saying yeah that's as good as we've seen it's it's certainly they're not one better because you know all the one run games the extra inning frames I know I mean certainly was disappointing last night to tune in and, and see it be ten to two after you know four innings yeah uh, you know the six run second inning and, and give LSU credit they didn't have an extra base hit in that six run uprising in the second uh, walks singles you know good hitting 
then the big home run in the fourth inning that, that highlighted another four-run frame. So it's 10-2 to two after three and a half. Um, didn't get the drama. Uh, and obviously we didn't get that with the game on Sunday either because it was 24-4. to four. But um, give the uh, the LSU Tigers credit. But I'm going to say most impressive, even though they might be – that might have been the best College World Series, one of the best teams we've seen in Omaha in a while. But, uh, yeah, the 64,000 Jello shots is better. That's more impressive. And I asked you yesterday when you hopped on midday with Chad and myself about Paul Skeens and what should LSU would, LSU would do with him. He didn't even have the, even pit, at the pitch last night. That's yeah. your heard. Another transfer. UCLA guy, he retired one, at 1.18 of 21 Florida batters after giving up that two-run shot. But for LSU, outside of Dylan Cruz, Aaron, Three of their best players, Paul Skeens, Tommy White, and Thatcher Hurt, all from the transfer portal. Yeah, well, that's that's what we talked about. I think everybody, Texas, you can criticize that all you want. I know uh, people criticize the University of Miami for doing similar in basketball, but they went to a Final Four. Yeah. Uh, LSU just won the Natty. I mean, uh, Wake Forest, don't leave them out. They stockpiled exactly. their pitching staff through the portal. And, you know, you're either going to get on board with that, and, um, you know, that's why we, one of the reasons we had the, the two lawyers we had on this morning to talk about the new law that's going into effect. You can you can help Texas with the NIL and the Texas One Fund if you're a fan and donate money and you can get perks now and that'll be legal. But uh, yeah, I mean Texas has to be in that uh, in that competition for the best players while they're recruiting their own and uh, keeping their own guys. Hello Jeff Howe. What's going on, man? Yeah, look the play-by-play play prodigy behind the glass. Uh actually Aaron, I'm glad you brought that up. You got time to hang around for just I, a second? I do. I do. Okay. So I'll be honest, I listen to the morning program here on the Horn uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I want to know if we're going to be entertained with any tales of Nunley any, you know, on, a, on a given day. Uh, the the if, Jack Donkey, famous. Yes, if Bucky's going to talk about baked potatoes, uh, that's, always, that's always a possibility. Uh, and then maybe, maybe we get a Tavo sighting on the Blitz. Tavo's a classic. Uh, and maybe Otis. Otis has called in once in the last, I don't know, 10 years. So maybe, maybe there's a chance. But... You do get some entertain. You do get some information, some infotainment on the morning show, and I was kind of fascinated by the discussions revolving around NIL this morning. And I, the the biggest issue I have right now, e with where things are going, is the NCAA. They did nothing at a time where they could have done something, but but they sat on their hands when all these states were getting a couple of years ago when all these states were getting ready to pass laws. Uh, on NIL and get it on the books and say what you can do, what you can't do. And, you know, Rod Babers was one of the many people that pointed it out. These laws are going to be vague for a reason. Sure. Right? You know, if, if you're if you're in the state legislature, you want to give your in-state institutions a chance to compete. So you're going to make them vague on purpose. Now you're, you've got the NCAA basically asking the federal government to intervene and help them out, give them legal protections. I, I think, E, at this point, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, and you've got to figure out a way that it can benefit everybody. Because uh, I think it, I think it benefits everybody, but th- that scale is a little bit unbalanced. I think just understanding that you can't go back, so now that this is the reality, what do you do? And I think if you're Texas specifically, again, you can go to the podcast page at hornfm.com and check out those conversations. Uh I think if you're Texas, I think now this is maybe a way to get you some more NIL money for, for baseball. Yeah, uh, well, you know, so. to to either keep guys around or, guy, you know, there's obviously you can't, you know, induce student athletes use NIL use NIL as a recruiting tool out of the portal. But if guys if guys that are going into the portal see that hey, if I go to Texas, I know the baseball tradition there, and now I've got a chance to to get some of that NIL money. It makes Texas that much more of an attractive option. Agreed, agreed. And uh, the, you know, we—I don't know if you were heard in the seven o'clock hour. We talked to uh, Trenton Halfley, 
who was a walk-on running back yep. at Texas from Wichita Falls, and he Did was Trenton play under Charlie Strong. Yes, yeah, that's what I thought. And he was one of he was one of the lead attorneys here, helping push this legislation through in the state of Texas to craft it. And how and you know a former student athlete walk-on himself. He had uh, really good intel, and his uh, his fellow attorney who was with us at the same time on the conference line. Uh, he's based in the Atlanta office. Trenton's based in the D.C. office of that law firm. He said, you know, th- th- what, 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 what's next is that the, um, the federal government will try to step in and put a 50-state a oversight yeah. plan in place with legislation. But he was skeptical that could happen because they're so dysfunctional in Washington right now. No, dysfunctional Capitol Hill can't imagine. Right. And he said the same thing you just said, that, you know, if they can't get something done, he doesn't know what the NCAA can do because they really have no power. The, the the legal fights that they were in and the challenges, you know, pretty much bankrupt, you know, the yeah. money they had, their reserves. So there, there isn't much. I do think big picture, Jeff, I think I'm not the only one that believes this, but I think where we're headed is once the the conference realignment stops, which I think it will eventually here shortly when whatever is going to resolve itself in the Pac-12, you know, I think there's going to be four conferences. I think there's going to be 65, whatever number of teams that would be. And I think those 65 are going to separate and, you know, govern themselves uh, under one umbrella. The SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC, and they're going to separate, uh, make their own rules. They'll all comply by them. They'll have, you know, oversight, and they'll have, you know, policing of those rules within those 64 schools. And then the NCAA will be able to get back in control of run every, and run everything else, right? Because everything else needs uh, an authority. Yeah. NCAA can get back involved. And those schools that aren't of those 65 – they can actually compete in NIL in kind of a, in a level playing field manner. They can't compete in you know, Texas State. Yeah, I was just going to use, I mean, G.J. Kinney at, at, at Texas State is never going to, you're never going to level the playing field where he can compete with no. what Sark has going on at Texas. Right. It's just not going to happen. Right. And that's where I think for everybody, uh, that would be good because I do, th- yes, is it more and more like professional sports and professional baseball or f- football? Yes. Uh, but to have 64 teams four conferences playing by a different set of rules that they govern themselves uh, to, because, again, it's, it, it's, it's in a, impossible to take 300-plus schools who play NCAA sports and make one rule book that applies to all of them. It just it doesn't – in this day and age, it can't happen. So yeah. take the big dogs, let them do their thing, I have agree. their rules, hire a commissioner or a commission, somebody or a group that runs college sports from that realm and then – the rest would still be under the purview of the NCAA, and they can have a rule book as well that everyone else follows. Is it haves and have nots? Yes, but I, I don't know what else you can do. Real quickie, a uh, couple of things about today's show. We've got two Longhorn Notebooks, one coming up at the bottom of this hour, one an hour number two. We've got a flex update. We're going to give away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Inconceivable. So all of our usual fare here on Light the Tower. Specs text line is open 337-3776. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, what I – Can I give Craig Way a pat on the back, by the way? Because yeah. Uh, I, I do a podcast each week. I know you guys do the uh, Longhorn Blitz, the Longhorn which we will Blitz, record as soon as I'm done in here today. Excited about that. Well, we do. Uh, I do one with Mike Craven mm-hmm. of Dave Campbell's Texas Football every week. It's called The Eyes on Texas, and we do it uh, every Monday. So I was recording last night with Mike, and Mike Craven has written about 35,000 words of this Dave Campbell's Texas Football magazine, including the cover story yep. on Sonny Dykes. And I have a copy of it, and he does not. <laughs> I was like, I haven't even got my cup. <laughs> uh, he was like, oh, man. I need to hang out with Craig Way. I, they haven't sent me mine yet. I'm going to go buy one. I was like, no, no, man, it's really good. I'll give you mine. I forgot to take mine home yesterday. Yeah, so. so uh, hey, I, if you listen to Light the Tower, you can call in. Maybe you want a copy, Mike. 
Yeah. We've yeah. All, we've also That's got, what I told him. I said, I'll yeah. see, maybe I can get you, get you a winner, winner copy. Or or you can go to hornfm.com. We're giving copies away. More copies this year than we've done before are being given away on the website. So if you don't win one during our show, just go to hornfm.com and yeah. see how you can win one there. Get one for Mike. And speaking of the, the portal guys, Tennessee's reliever, Chase Burns in the Ooh, transfer portal as well. Really? That, that's the guy that throws 103. I do wonder with Chase Burns, though. Is Burns is a junior, right? He's draft, is Burns draft eligible? No, I think year? he's a sophomore. Okay, well, that's... That's a big one. Yeah. Um, that's a big one. Uh, apparently, his top school right now is a Texas school, but not the Longhorns. It's TCU. Ooh, that's uh, Kirk Sarlos, of course, and uh, they were in Omaha this year. So we'll follow that. I mean, to the to the point, and, and this texture says uh, NCAA could have done a stipend the players look i've said this forever i i always tell you this jeff or, or anybody when i was uh, graduating at st edwards our final class was called capstone and you had to write like a, a semester-long thesis essentially in a in a, in a paper mm-hmm. and mine was in 1995 on should college athletes be paid uh so i mean this is something that's intimate to me for a long long time i've always advocated for their ability to share in the pie for all the reasons i've, I've talked about but i mean if i'm having this argument with people in 1995 the the NCAA should have incrementally made changes that would prevent what's happened. Yeah, they did not. They buried their head in the sand. They went stubborn. They they believed in the old our way is the right way. Don't tell us what to do. And eventually, the courts, you know, the 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 the, the state governments, their their ruse caught up with them. Mm-hmm. And they, and if and, yep. and as I've always said, if over a you know ten or fifteen year period had they incrementally changed it to 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 lower the temperature. To keep, you know, there's a million different things they could have done, but as I've always said, instead they just, instead of, you know, there's a dam holding up water, and instead of, you know, you know, letting the water out slowly, they just tore the dam down. And then the water is racing through college athletics, and there's no yeah, one to stop it. Nobody had the foresight to see a couple things coming around that time you're talking about, E. There were, there were several things that happened. The money for the NCAA basketball tournament was getting bigger. Yeah. You had the SEC was in its infancy as a super conference when yeah. Arkansas and South Carolina joined. Then you had the dissolution of the Southwest Conference. The four Texas schools joined the Big 8 and formed the Big 12. Sure. And the TV money that was coming in, nobody had the foresight to say, hey, this is just the start of where this thing is going and to make changes. And what you're saying, somebody texted in just a few minutes ago saying the NCAA could have done this with a stipend probably as little as $1,000 a month, but they pushed back, and now they have to lie in that bed. Yeah, it, that's right. Yeah. Well, in 1995, it was still kind of a, a really polar topic. and it, But by 2005, you know, 10 years later into 2010, mm-hmm. that's when I'm talking about, okay, yeah, you're right. We, we weren't making that much money. Coaches weren't making – you know, Bucky was at Texas in that, that year. Bucky was at Texas up to, through 1995 when they won the Big 12 championship, mm-hmm. the first one. Well, you know, John McAvick was making $700,000 that year. Right. Right? I mean, and, and Bucky was making a nice living but nothing crazy. Uh, obviously, that's escalated now, and coaches are making $10 million annually. And, you know, but the NCAA still tried to hold it back because the money was getting so great because the interest was so great, and stadiums were packed, and the March Madness tournament 100%. became more and more popular. and. You know, now we're seeing it with college baseball. It's becoming more and more popular. College softball on the women's side, more and more popular the more it's on TV. And, you know, that you know, 1995, I'll forgive the NCAA for being asleep at the wheel. By 2010, come on, man. You see the forest through the trees. Make some changes. Keep this thing from happening. Because it was predictable that if they don't do anything, as you said, and don't create any guardrails or rules, this is what it's going to be. That first round of conference realignment we had when Nebraska and Colorado left the Big 12 – I remember at that point, 
Mac Brown was talking about, you know, the the power five in football being autonomous conferences and basically breaking off and doing their own thing. And that that concept to me seems so outside the box. Like are they gonna break away from the NCAA now? Back to what you said a few minutes ago, that seems maybe like the only logical option if you want to get some kind of level playing field and on this the team. The only thing that may save it, yeah, <laughs> or, or prevent it from collapsing under its own weight. But the the one thing I'd always say is players, you know, the coaches and the administrators who made it a career, everyone else else was allowed to cash in, and for mm-hmm. as it got more and more and more. And the coaches could jump whenever they wanted. ADs would jump whenever they wanted. Everyone, you know, they might be 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, but some of them are pretty sharp, and some of them are going to look at that and say, wait a second, everyone else is getting to cash in on this, but we can't? Really. Exactly. Everyone else is getting to cash in hand over fist with, with barrels of money, but we're not allowed to. There, there, there had to be someone at the NCAA who said, guys, this, this dam's going to break, and uh, we are not dealing with it properly. Uh, and, and and here we are. Unless and, Mark Emmert and that leadership knew what was coming, and that's why, yeah. you know, President Emmert is no longer President Emmert. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe it's one of those deals. But, I, you know, you look at LSU baseball, he won the national championship, and, and looking at the Chase Burns story, uh, I'm just reading some comments. Tony Vitello apparently had a radio interview this morning. Oh, boy. Uh, Tennessee's head coach. In, in not, which, by the way, I've called Tony Vitello the Tom Herman of college baseball. I don't – Unless you're a Tennessee fan, I don't know anybody that really just likes Tony Vitello. I've never heard anybody outside of the, the Tennessee sphere have anything good to say about Tony Vitello. I'll tell you that a buddy of mine, my, my son who played baseball at Hayes, one of his teammates played for Tennessee. He's mm-hmm. now in the minor league system of the, Lion, of the Tigers. And he said, yeah, he's an ass. <laughs> Shocker. He loved his time at Knoxville, but he said, yeah, he's, a, he's an uh, ass. Tony Vitello said, quote, we've known that he would be gone for a while and that it's always wise to be careful about uh, what's on Twitter, and that Burns's exit uh, quote has been pretty straightforward. Well, remember that's Frank Anderson too, yeah. the pitching coach, former Longhorn pitching coach, who also is a little bit prickly. Yeah, and that's <laughs> you know, uh, man, that's a that's a lot of personality in one coaching office. Oh my gosh! Um, but you know, LSU is just, and you know, I heard Jay Johnson say the other night, hey, you know, they're they're basically saying they're open for business. They're just playing by the rules. That's what the rules are right now. And LSU is willing to pump a lot of money to baseball. This is a thing where Texas has to get this thing on the baseball and to an extent the softball NIL front. you got to get that figured out before you go to the SEC. No question. Because that's a league where everybody is dead serious about competing in baseball. When you think about all the name brand programs that are in that league that have won national championships within the last decade. Florida's won one. LSU has one. Tennessee's done it, or not? Excuse me, not Tennessee. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. Uh, you got a lot of elite brands. Florida in that league. South Carolina's on the comeback. So if you want to compete in that league, you got to make sure you've got the resources. And that's not a university thing. I, that's one thing about NILE that just makes me. It makes me want to stick ice picks in my ears and pour bleach in my eyes. Well, I mean, Texas makes more revenue than anybody. They need to pony. CDC's not just sitting behind a desk just writing checks to David Pierce. Oh, you need you need three hundred grand for a pitcher? Let me scratch that check out. No. It's not like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber hanging outside the Lambo just handing out $100 bills to anybody that walks by. Um, but you got to make sure, however you can, make sure your NIL game is on point by the time you go to the SEC. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair, and that's echoing what I said this morning about you can be mad at LSU all you want or Wake Forest, but, man, that's who you're going to compete against. Yeah. That's the deal right now. And until it changes, you know, don't be like the NCAA for 25 years. Don't bury your head in the sand. You know, get involved. And uh, we still get – and I know that everybody has a right. It's their money. and you know, they're, they're, But there's still the fans that say, like, I'll never give to NIL. I'll never give to NIL. And I will tell you, having talked to people who work 
closely with the Texas One Fund and some of the other collectives, there are a lot of, especially old timers, with that mindset that, you know, I'll give money to the university, but I'm not giving money for that. For that, I'll yeah. never do that. Well, okay, and then don't be mad when they fall behind, uh, in, in especially those sports. I think football is going to be okay uh, as it grows, but you know, don't let the baseball program slip because you know David Pierce can be the best manager and recruiter you want, but at some point, if you're competing with with LSU and what they're offering. And you're right. Jay Johnson said it right. Look, we're, if you want to play high-level <laughs> baseball, if you want to compete for championships, get developed like crazy, and find the most fertile spot for NIL opportunities, come to LSU. I mean, I, I know I know they had their ups and downs this year, but they still finished you know, as a top-eight seed get going into the tournament. But at this time last year, we were looking at it and saying, all right, they, uh, I can imagine the money that it took to get Paul Skeens and Tommy Tanks. And, and the rest of the guys they added on the NIL front. And it's like, yeah, LSU's probably going to win the national championship because they're, at the, at the very least, they're the most talented team in the country. So the the journey was a little bit different than I think we all thought it was probably going to be, but the the end result, we, we saw that coming a mile away. Well, think about it this way. If you're ever going to, if you're going to want to have Ivan Melendez put up a season like he had last year when he won the Golden Spikes, you're going to have to contribute to NILs. I mean, you're, it's just going to have to be the case because yeah. you're, you're, you know, Jay Johnson also said we, when he left Arizona, he took the LSU job because Dylan Cruz was there, and he was a freshman. And he said, I knew I had a centerpiece. I had a, a, an elite player to build the program around. Then he had to go out and get other players, but it only took him two years to win a national championship yeah. because he was able to lure Paul Skeens, uh, Tommy Tanks, as you mentioned, and uh, the pitcher who pitched so good last night, Heard. Well, you know, that's, that's how you build it, and uh, that's going to be a challenge if, you're, if you're not, you don't have the same resources. And I'm telling you, everybody that thinks, hey, get rid of David Pierce, get a real coach in here, if you think that's all that's going to change, trust me, if the next guy you want to hire sees that your NIL game is not on point, Good luck finding a top-notch coach that's going to want to take this job, especially tradition's great, and, and you can't knock Texas baseball tradition, but good luck finding somebody that's going to want to go into the SEC and compete basically with one hand tied behind their back. No question. All, All right. right, Jeff. Well, have e, a good show. Yeah, thanks for hanging out, E. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back. We're switch gears and talk Texas football. Uh, I want to run down some things with Cam. Go over the in, indispensables, if you will, the players Texas can least afford to lose. I love when we always have these conversations. I want to run some of that down that we've reported at Horns 24-7 from a couple of different sources. Uh, get Cam's thought on it. We'll get your feedback on it. Specs text line is open, 337-3776. All that and much more as we roll along Tuesday edition of Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. Where are you at on Good Charlotte, Cam? Who? Any thoughts one way or the other, sir? Uh, these Mohawks that got need to be disintegrated, that's for sure. This was on a Madden soundtrack. I forget if it was Madden 03 or Madden 04. So this, this song reminds me of playing a little Madden. Right around this time of year. Usually the, uh, the NCAA football game would come out in June and then Madden would come out in July. That's how I remember my summers in my late teens and early 20s. I think it was at Madden 05 with Ray Lewis on the cover. Mm -hmm. The uh, the intro song was American Idiot by Green Day. Yes, it was. Absolute banger. And that, that got me on the Green Day path <laughs> and have not looked back ever since. So you're a big Green Day fan? Yeah. Speaking of Charlotte, my uh, I think my young daughter is listening to the show right now, so I need to be careful with uh, 
with what I say. Austin Frog, thank you so much. It was Madden 03. And I've got those playlists on my phone. I don't know why. I'm, am I the only person that has old no. Madden playlists on their phone? Uh, there yeah, was Madden NBA, I think NBA 2K12 JC was the curator. That playlist oh. was absolute gold. That's how I discovered NOS. And then FIFA, FIFA had a run like the late 2010s where their entire soundtracks, I mean, you could play them at clubs. I've never played FIFA, but I've always heard that about FIFA games. That FIFA had the best has had and has the best soundtracks. Incredible stuff. It's good stuff. Um, I didn't realize we were going to have so many uh, hot sports opinions on uh, <laughs> on Tennessee baseball after the uh, the Chase Burns to the portal news. I'm just going to read from the text line. Cam, feel free to dump any of this <laughs> if I can't say it. <laughs> The vol- this is from a, an anonymous texter, no uh, no name. Quote, the Vols are, and Tennessee fans, this is not me, uh, the Vols are your typical SEC douche bros, and it starts with the coach. <laughs> if you want to know how people outside of Knoxville and Tennessee alums feel about Tony Vitello and that baseball program, that pretty much sums it up. I think if you asked SEC fans their least favorite baseball program in that conference, everybody's answer would be Tennessee. Hopefully, Chase Burns is not that prototypical SEC douchebag. No. Uh, This texture says, Jeff, I'm confused. I thought CDC said that UT wanted to be the leaders in NIL. Why are we lagging behind? Well, you can only be a leader in NIL as much as you have funds and collectives that have the money to disperse it where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. You can – I don't want to say this is a deal where it's want in one hand and you know what in the other, but, I mean, you, you can desire something, but if you don't have the, the financial backing. And, I mean, we've gotten a few texts uh, th- that say, you know, in what he said, he said he's heard from donors that don't have any interest in, you know, giving to the Texas One Fund or helping out the collectives. Um, you know, got a text from someone that says it feels like Texas is turning into Stanford with the way the kind of the donor, uh, the donor I would hierarchy set up. Yeah, I think that's overkill. But In terms of just baseball or overall? Because it's nowhere overall, near. I, well, I think from a leadership standpoint, I, I think there was a time where I heard this a few years ago and I thought it was so true. This was pre-Cristel Conte that Texas really had to make a decision on where they wanted the athletic department to go because you can't try to be Stanford Sunday through Friday, and then hope to be Alabama on Saturday. Exactly, Like, you can't do it. And I think with the leadership now, with CDC, with Jay Hartzell as your president, with Kevin Eltife as the chairman of the Board of Regents, I feel, you know, with, with the move to the SEC, with hiring Sark, uh, you know, what they've done to the athletic department, hiring Vic Schaefer, the under, I mean, Edric Floreal has won national championships now as mm-hmm. a head track coach, getting Mike White in softball. They have understand where this athletic department needs to go, and they've got it going in the right direction. So I, I wouldn't – it's somewhere in between the two, right? It's somewhere in between are you worried about becoming Stanford or do you just need – some donors, some people that have deep pocketbooks to just simply just give money to NIL. It's it, it's 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 got it's some the tr- the 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 real issue is somewhere somewhere in the middle. It's adapt or die, and this this is not going to change anytime soon. I mean, you talked about it with E. NCA just kind of threw their hands up and said, "Okay, you know, you guys you guys do whatever you want. You know, we're not gonna we're yeah. not gonna provide any oversight. You know, unless." Unless some legis- legislation gets drafted up, but I mean, it seems like you know the, the way state of Texas is going, they're all in on pro NIL in helping out these universities dump as much money as they want into these funds, into these collectives. I don't see there's going to be any type of cap anytime soon. 
Now, I would argue that there should be some sort of cap because it's just going to turn into who has the biggest pockets and who can spend the most money through these funds and collectives. And it's going to benefit, you know, the, the top universities and it's going to leave the smaller ones in the dust. We're going to see, I think we're going to see the biggest gap in terms of the top teams to the bottom than we've ever seen before, Jeff, because of NIL, unless something kind of gets changed where there is a, a uniform procedure for how much these schools can spend and what, what the cap is. Yeah. But I don't know if we're ever going to see that. I, I don't think we will. Man, a lot, lot of hot sports opinions on Tony Vitello on the text line. Uh, all right, let's uh, we'll shelve college baseball for just a second. I want to get back to this. We'll probably get back to this in the top – uh, of hour two because there's some really good feedback coming through in the Specs text line. Again, 337-3776. We've also got a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football to give away. But right now, let's talk a little Longhorn football in this hour's edition of the Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Our insider at Horns 24-7 last week, Cam, uh, caught up, uh, got some intel from a former Big 12 coach who talked about the importance of staying healthy, number one, and the impact that has on a season. Like, you think about 2005 when Texas won the national championship, really other than other than Jordan Shipley's preseason injury, like what really big injuries did Texas suffer during that season? They stayed pretty healthy. You look at 2008, the one game they lost that season was the Texas Tech game when you had – you know, Brian Arakpo was dealing with an injury. I think Quan Cosby was dealing with something. And, and you were at the end of that run where you had played Oklahoma and Missouri and Oklahoma State and then going on the road to play uh, Texas Tech and Lubbock. So health has a big part of competing for and winning championships. But uh, I think that goes without saying. But, Cam, I want to run down some players here. We'll start on the, on the defensive side of the ball. And I just want to read you a couple quotes from this, again, this former Big 12 coach who's very familiar with Texas personnel, talking about the, the most indispensable players on the Texas roster, the guys Texas can least afford to lose. Are you ready, Cameron Parker? Let's do it. All right. We'll start with Jalen Ford. I don't think that's yep. a surprise to anybody. Quote, he's just always around the ball, and it's clear his teammates believe in him. He's a heart and soul guy in the middle of that defense. They'd be different without him in the spring. They had Jet Bush taking a lot of the backup reps at middle linebacker. Bush is more of a downhill guy. He doesn't have near the lateral quickness or feel for pass drops like Ford. I think that goes without saying. Uh, quote, in another year or two, you'll have Leonga LaFau and Anthony Hill capable of playing the middle at a high level, but they're not ready to play at that level. Jalen Ford played last year. Again, that's that's a pretty big no-brainer, Cam. You, you're You're – Inside linebacker who is the heart and soul of your defense, the the quarterback of your defense, if you will, uh, wasn't played wasn't All American last year. Expected to play at an All American level this year. Uh, Jalen Ford is the the glue that holds your defense together. I agree hundred percent. I don't know where Texas defensively would have been last season without Jalen Ford. He, you mentioned he's the quarterback. He's been the most consistent player, I think, defensively throughout the entire year. Uh, you could argue. Uh, you know, maybe Demo or today Barron, um, even Ryan Watts. But I think Jalen Ford was the guy that kept everything together. And the plays he made, the two, the two games that stand out so much, the plays he made, the win over Iowa State at home and yep. the win over K-State on the road. Yeah. Basically, those are two wins. And you take those away, it's a, it's a very, very different offseason for Steve Sarkeesian in Texas, and a very different outlook heading into year three versus year two. And a big part of that, winning those those tight games, it comes down to having guys who can 
make winning plays. Mm-hmm. It sounds cliche to say. No, Jalen Ford is a winning player. When we, when we did our uh, our summer FAQ yesterday, and the question that I've been asked is, what does the Texas defense need to do in that vein? What 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 needs to happen for that group to take the next step? It's more it's more havoc plays, more splash plays, more more drive killers. You need more sacks. You need more tackles for loss. You need forced fumbles and pass deflections and interceptions. And Jalen Ford is the the the, the brain of that defense, the nucleus of that defense. Uh, as, as Rod Babers calls it, the central nervous system of the defense. I like calling it the spine of the defense. You're really good on your interior defensive line. Uh, you know, Last year we kind of figured Texas had a chance to be pretty good at safety. You couldn't be any worse than you were in 2021. It was all about was Jalen Ford going to take that next step. He did, and that's a big reason why you had such a big turnaround on defense. Player number two I want to talk about, Cam, is Jaday Barron, a guy that you mentioned mm. just a minute ago. Quote, this again, this is from uh, an, an, a former Big 12 coach talking to Horns 24-7 who's very familiar with Texas personnel giving just their opinion on the most indispensable players on the Texas roster in 2023. Quote, I love the way Barron plays. He's so instinctive. He plays fast, physical, and with so much confidence. He makes so many plays that put opposing teams behind the chains or in bad spots. He scored two defensive touchdowns last year, including the only Texas touchdown against TCU. When you think about the fact that he led the defense last year in tackles for loss from a defensive back position, that's really rare. Uh, Going along further, quote, I think Gary Patterson really helped Barron. Gary was the one doing the scouting of opposing offenses last season, and Gary's specialty is the secondary, as we all know. Heck, you could see Gary on the sideline during the TCU game yelling at Barron about where to be and what play was coming, and I think he, Barron, had like three or four tackles for loss. It was actually three and a half against TCU alone. Uh, Barron is also versatile enough to play corner and could certainly play safety if needed. They've got some good young talent at nickel, like Jalen Gilbo coming up behind Barron. And I get the sense if he has the type of season he expects, he'll be moving on after this season, and those next guys will all need to be ready. All I know is if you take Barron off the field, you take a big piece of the defense's confidence off the field. That's the one thing, Campbell. The playmaking ability, we could see that even in 2021, right? We, 2020, he was almost exclusively a special teams guy. But even as bad as the defense was in 21, he might have been the one guy that I'm like, you know, from the start of the season to the end, he's one of the few guys on defense that you could tell got better, where he was playing pretty good football by the end of the year. But the thing I love, in addition to the playmaking ability, man, Jade Barron, the confidence with him, as this coach pointed out, that's the one thing that stands out to me above everything else. That dude, that dude believes he's going to make every play. And for Gary Patterson, his his move on the coaching staff, I mean, it sure helped with game plans, but I think his help came in developing the players, right? I think that's the biggest thing you take away from what Gary Patterson did and, and off this article, Insider, it sounds like it really connected with Jade Barron because it felt like he took a step up this past season. I thought he was definitely a player that maybe two years ago he just was still trying to find his role in the Texas defense yeah. and maybe PK and Gary Patterson helped find that role for him here in the star nickel position. He's a guy on safety position that you know you're losing Anthony Cook. Uh, you're going to lose Deshaun Jameson on the cornerback level. You're going to be losing some key guys who have played a lot of snaps for Texas over the last three or four years. Barron is a guy who is returning and can you know be a huge stalwart, I think, defensively with uh, with Jalen Ford. If you're going to play that nickel position and play it at a high level, instincts. Uh, if you're going down the checklist of things guys need, man, instincts have to be really high up there. I love Jaday Barron's football instincts, his football IQ. And you know one thing I really love about Jaday Barron, Cam, in addition to the fact What's that? that he did play his high school football in yes, around Fairburg. He is a Connolly Cougar. 
Jade Barron's a Matt Rule guy. Mm. Matt Rule got on Jade Barron really early when he was at Baylor and got him committed, got him signed, and then Matt Rule leaves to go to the NFL, and Jade Barron just kind of falls into the lap of Tom Herman and Chris Ash. So I love the way Matt Rule evaluates. Love the kind of guys he looks for. I think it's only a matter of time before Nebraska will Nebraska be what they were under Tom Osborne. Probably not. Is Nebraska going to be a team that can compete week in and week out in the Big Ten? I think they'll get there at some point under Matt Rule, just because I like what he does. That's going to take a little bit of time. But Jade Barron's a Matt Rule guy. I may I may get Jade Barron a shirt. Like all you pro wrestling fans know, you got the I'm a Paul Heyman guy shirt that some guys wear. I've got one of those in my closet. I think I'm going to get Jade Barron a shirt that just says I'm a Matt Rule guy. Get two, one for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll wear one, too, because I'm a Matt Rule guy. And and also, you know, behind Barron is Jalen Gilbo. And I'm I'm a big Gilbo fan. And I think, you know, he's going to fall in right behind Barron possibly in 2024, 2025, uh, in two years at that nickel position. Not just him. Uh, you know, Gavin Holmes is a guy that can back you up, back up at the nickel. I, I, Barron is interesting to me because I, this is why I said yesterday – and when we're talking about guy, young guys that need to step up, guys that need to have breakout-type seasons, it's like Terrence Brooks at that field corner position Ooh. is so big because your next best option, if Brooks doesn't work out, your next best option, Cam, might be to put Jaday Barrett at corner. He played corner at, at spots last yeah, year, right? And, and if you determine that he's your best option at corner, okay, now what are you doing with the nickel position? Can you put a guy that we're going to talk about next there? Could you know Jaron Thompson has played in the nickel? Uh, do you feel good enough about your safety depth to move him there? Is can Austin Jordan slide in there? Do you feel good about uh, good enough about Gavin Holmes to have him take snaps there? So again, we're talking about how the pieces fit in the secondary. That piece of Terrence Brooks at the field corner. Don't lose sight of how important that is. Uh, we'll talk about the offensive guys in hour number two. But uh, Cam, the third guy, he's the ultimate X factor on this defense, and that's Jalen Catalan. Yeah. Quote for those of, and again, this is from a former Big 12 coach talking about Texas personnel to Horns 24 7. Quote for those of us who know how special Catalan is, if he's back to full strength and playing like he was three years ago at Arkansas, that kid can solve a lot of Texas defensive issues from last year. I'm not kidding. If you were going to nitpick Texas defense last year, this is what I want your take on, Cam. If you were going to nitpick Texas defense last year, there were some breakdowns in communication between the safety and a corner or between the safety and the nickel that allowed some big plays that really hurt Texas. Uh, said there were a lot of 15- to 20-yard passes over the middle where the receiver didn't get passed off correctly in their quarters coverage. Having a ball hawk, heady safety like Catalan running the show back there will eliminate a lot of that. People forget his redshirt freshman season at Arkansas. He had three interceptions. He's capable of twice that many with the way he studies and prepares as long as he's healthy. That's that's the only issue with Jalen Catalan. We know he can play. We know he's really talented. We know he's capable of playing at an All-American type level. He was one of the best safeties in the SEC when he was healthy in 2020. It's just, is he healthy? Now, we did report a couple of weeks ago that the shoulder cleanup he had uh, coming into Texas from the portal, coming in from Arkansas, that apparently he he hasn't felt this good in a long time. That's, that's what we're hearing, which is that's what, that's what you want to hear. So maybe just taking the spring to to get the shoulder cleaned up, to to rest up a little bit, get himself right, get ready for camp. Maybe if if Texas gets the best version of Jalen Catalan, he's a complete game changer for this defense. And it all is on if he's healthy. He was a freshman All-American, right? Mm -hmm. Three interceptions. 
He first is team, first team All SEC as a freshman. He is a playmaker, and he was a big part of a great Arkansas team two years ago. But we saw that defense was last year when he wasn't healthy, right? You know, you could put a little bit on Arkansas's, you know, downfall. If Who you he will. play in twenty one? I think he played six, seven games. Uh, it was either six or seven. I forget. And a lot of those games, he didn't play the full game. And he because, got hurt. He got hurt in the opener last year. Yeah. If he, if he can stay healthy, Jeff, I mean. What he can provide to this defense, you mentioned about Texas in the cornerback position and Nickel maybe moving around Barron and Holmes and Brooks and Gilbo. Having Jalen Catalan out there healthy and at 100% allows PK to be more flexible with his no positions on defense. Man, it manufactures so much depth for you because if you do need to move Barron to corner, okay, now you've got Jalen Catalan and Keaton Crawford to safety. Now you can't. Now Jaron Thompson going to Nickel, that becomes something you can do. If you decide that's what you need to do, so the the emergence of Terrence Brooks and the health of Jalen Catalan are going to be the two things that determine the ceiling for the secondary. I think it's got a chance to be a really good secondary, but it could also very much be an average secondary, yeah. a middle of the road secondary, maybe below average if those other pieces aren't there. I, I think with Jade Barron as good as Ryan Watts is at that boundary corner position, and with Jaron Thompson playing a much better brand of football last year than he did in 21, I think you're at the very least a middle-of-the-road secondary. It's hard for me to see this secondary being below average or bad, but it's very much going to limit the ceiling if Catalan's not around and if, if you don't get it from Terrence Brooks at that field corner spot. All right, we'll talk about the indispensables on defense coming up in hour number two, but we've got to close out hour number one. With a little inconceivable, don't forget, we're also going to give away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. At some point during the show, you don't know when. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to give it away. You just got to keep tuning in to Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. All right, I got a personal story. I'm going to tell it myself here. Scorpion um, bite again? No, 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 not no scorpion bite. Although, I did, I got sadistic with the the last few scorpion sightings I've had. Cam, like one, I, I cornered it before I killed it. <laughs> Just wanted him to fear for his life. And then I'm leaving, I'm leaving the house yesterday to cut to come up here to make my way north. And I see one. I guess it was pinned under the garage door, and just kind of makes its way into the garage and just kind of. You know, scurrying around, and I'm like, "Oh no, you don't!" And I just sprinted after it, and like, like crow hopped, like I'm crow, <laughs> like I'm th- trying to throw from right field to third base, crow hopped, and like just, it squished it, and did it repeatedly, and might have dropped some four letter bombs and whatnot. So the no. best, the best rivalry going on right now is Jeff Howe versus Scorpions at his house. Uh, yeah, uh, we're we're, I've still got the lead, but. He's, they've they've gotten their share of wins, including the, I still got a few marks on my stomach from where they got mm. me last time. No, uh, no scorpion stories. Uh, this is a little bit of kind of vacation wrap up, if you will. Okay. So, Cam, you have experience attending amusement parks or, or waiting in lines, right? Yeah, unfortunately. Okay. And you know, sometimes I'll just I'll start the story by saying Friday for whatever reason I don't know what I ate Thursday. I wasn't feeling sick to my stomach, but you know, some days you just you're, you're a little gassier some mm-hmm. days than than you are on a normal day. And Friday was one of those days. And every time I I could find space to get away from the crowd and you know, kind of silently and as 
Believe yourself? Indiscre- as discreetly as I could, just, yeah, just, you know, let some air out. I, mm-hmm. I did. Blow some steam off? Right. Or L- out? Literally. But by the time we got to, you know, we got to the front of the line for the ride, we're, we're in line for the Avatar ride and at, uh, at Animal Kingdom. And we're going through this series of hallways to get to, like, the, the main where the bikes are or, like, the actual ride is. So I'm in a stairwell, and I see there there's nobody in front of me, and there's nobody behind me. So I said, this is where I can just, <laughs> you know. Let it rip. Yeah, I can. And I, on a, I, I will feel much better. And I did. Both. Just let it rip and felt much better. And it's in a stairwell, so, you know, it echoes, and it's loud. And I'm thinking, oh. I, said, I even told my wife, I said, I'm in the clear. And I said, man, I feel better. Well, at the top of the stairs, my wife is oh, laughing hysterically. Because as I turned the corner, Cam, it was not a long <laughs> hallway. It was right into the entryway of the Avatar ride. And there are eight to ten people looking at me, glaring <laughs> in my general direction in disgust at what I'd just done. Because I thought I was in the clear. You, you ever have one of those moments where you think you're in the clear and then you you're realize, not, you realize yeah. you're not? Yeah. So I had one of those at Disney World. Oh, man. Hopefully... Some of those people were the same people who are on the uh, the safari ride with their zebra comment. They're wondering, <laughs> this guy again? I can only hope. Oh. So, yeah. So, I, I fell victim. To, we, men, women, we've all been there, right? You think you're, okay, I'm good. I, I'm, the coast is clear. And then you realize quickly, oh, man. No. The coast no. was not clear. And many, many people heard what I just did. Well, I mean, you'll never see them again. So true. I that's don't care. that's my thinking. My wife thought it was hilarious, though, and now you know, with the embarrassment's out of the way. I, I find it funny enough to tell on myself on the air. So. That's good. Yeah, uh, that's gonna do it for hour number one. Hour number two. Longhorn Notebook Flex Update. We'll get back to your feedback on the Specs text line three three seven three seven seven six, and we will give away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. All that coming up in hour number two on Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.